I'm Carl McCollman. I am Kevin Johnson. I'm Cassidy Hall, and we are Encountering Silence. Encountering Silence is made possible by listeners like you. Please visit www.patreon.com slash encountering silence. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash encountering silence to learn more about how you can be a part of the circle and share in our efforts to bring silence into our all too noisy world. And this week is, well, it's the holidays, as you all know, and even just this morning, our team was texting one another, just trying to figure out if we could, you know, make a time to work. And um, all of us kind of frantically, you know, wondering if we should cancel last minute. And then ultimately realizing that this was something very important for us to do. Um, so we managed to still connect and get together. Now, what's interesting about that is it brings up this concept of all these times in our lives where we run into moments where we see things that are important and things that are urgent. And today we're going to kind of navigate silence and silence, um, you know, the urgency of silence, the importance of silence, um, but also navigate the importance about, you know, when we name silence, we lose it. Um, as I was talking to Kevin and Carl earlier, I was saying, you know, as soon as we touch the word urgency to the lips of silence, we lose a sincere intimacy. So how do we maintain silence as urgent and important um, in our lives without making it to be, you know, legalistic or ultimately precisely what it isn't? So, Kevin, I'm going to start with you. Um, and I know, you know, you in particular were mentioning, you know, this list of things that you have to do. I, I mean, we all were today. We were all listing, you know, all the things we have to do for the holiday season um, for families and and yet still, you know, meet all the needs of our loved ones and um and ourselves. And so how have you managed to do that, um, this time of year without, you know, without forcing silence to be a legalistic thing, or has there been times where you've kind of let, had to let go of it, but also make peace with, you know, say not having silence for that day, whatever that looks like for your practice? Yeah. Yeah. This is such a great question. I'm, I'm so glad to talk about this and it, it actually gets at the heart of this this whole topic that we've already explored a couple times in a few episodes where this not only is language uh, paradoxical when we're talking about silence, but intention is paradoxical here. Mm -hmm. uh, I like and, that. And, and that's what I often point out to people when I'm teaching and talking about silence. Uh, what, what comes into play here, uh, what doesn't often get spoken about really straightforwardly, but I like to call it out because, and I'm not the first one to say this. Uh, this was brought to my attention um, years ago. There's a book called The Paradox of Intention. It's actual. Mm -hmm. It's an actual book, and it's it's written for. It was written for a bunch of religious scholars to talk about how in religion there is this weird kind of twist that happens. That if you're going to talk seriously and get to something at the depth of the human person, there's this sense of there has to be a, a change in intention. And you even just mentioned it, Cassidy, about this idea that as soon as you touch the word urgency to the word, you know, to silence, you, it actually dissipates it and causes the problem, the opposite of what you're actually attempting to do. 
the, par- mm-hmm. the paradox of intention comes up in our lives and we often forget about it because our culture is a culture of doing things and achievement and performance and work. Yeah. Right. And right. so silence is the opposite of that. And what we, when you hear that, then what people often thinks it, well, then it's not achieving anything. It's not doing anything. It's not, a, it's not actually anything at all. And we've pushed back with that about language, where we've said, no, it's an actual, it's not an absence, it's a presence, it's a, it's a shift to something else. And again, mm-hmm. there's a shift of intention here. And so, so the paradox of intention stated succinctly is this, uh, the more you attempt to do it, you can't do it. <laughs> so, right. so what you do is if you want to achieve the goal, you give up the goal. Now, that sounds strange, but think about the times that it happens in our lives. The common one is sleep. Anybody who's an insomniac will tell you that if you try to go to sleep, you're, that's it. You're doomed to be up all night long. So how do you fall asleep? Well, you actually have to stop trying. And so what you'll do, think like people will say things like count sheep. Why? Well, you're giving your brain something else to do. Stop trying to go to sleep. Count sheep. Do something else. Relax. And then all... Then, you stopped trying and then you actually achieved the goal of sleep, right? Silence is in that same realm. If you attempt to be silent, if you make it an urgent goal, well, then you never get there. Silence never actually comes. There has to be kind of a letting go. So uh, there's more to say here, but I guess what I want to get back to my own personal practice and to wrap it up is to say, that what I've had to do, knowing about the paradox of intention, knowing that silence is a space of learning to let go, is that what I have to do oftentimes, and what I've been doing over the last few days, not always successfully, but attempting to do, is to let, to, to let go of the practice of seeking silence and letting silence speak itself when it's ready. And the only way you can do that is to give yourself a little bit of time. So what I've done is I've gotten up a little bit earlier, and usually before I go to sleep, and then during the day, there's pauses where I just purposely don't do anything. I don't even attempt to, to meditate, to pray. Mm-hmm. To do, it's, mm-hmm. it's just stop being busy for a moment and breathe and let that, and then, let some, you know, I can hear from silence that way. Right, right. And that's that's what I found, too, is it's been those beats between, right, the turning off of the radio in the car um, just the little beats that you can find, especially at a time like this where it feels like such chaos. Exactly. Carl, <clears throat> Carl, how has it been for you lately? Well, first, let me just kind of piggyback on what Kevin was saying, which was lovely. But you reminded me of a, a little sentence that I saw in a Zen book somewhere. I think it was a Zen dictionary. I'm not entirely sure. I was but just thinking just, how, how Zen this conversation has become. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, okay, well, here comes the Zen input. It's just, it's just three, three brief sentences of instruction. And they are, quit trying, quit trying not to try, quit quitting. Exactly. And wow. yeah, so let me repeat that. Quit yeah. trying, quit trying, quit trying not to try quit quitting. And I mm. think that um, Kevin just really beautifully expressed how he is, you know, living into that or attempting to live into that in, in this context. My situation may be a little different, although, again, there is a paradox here. 
I've been very blessed in that over the last two weeks, uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to lead two Advent retreats. And the beautiful thing about that is that I'm working, I'm leading a retreat. So that means for a couple of hours each day, I'm speaking and, you know, supporting other people on their retreat experience. But the beautiful thing about it is when I'm not up there speaking, I can be on retreat too. So I've been very blessed in that respect. Right. But, um, you know, and, and this is, is kind of funny, Kevin, because my, my daily kind of just opening my heart up to silence is just kind of humming along. It's something that, you know, is kind of my morning diet. Yep. But what I'm finding, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a proposal for a book right now, and I have an idea, actually two ideas percolating for two other book proposals. <laughs> and and what, what happens to me when that's going on is that I start getting really kind of almost gluttonous with my reading. Right, right. And, and just in the last day or two, I've kind of hit this tipping point where I've realized that, you know, there can be just like there, there can be so many materialisms in our life. There can be a materialism of information. Yes. And, um, and so, so I've actually kind of bumped into the paradox of intention just with my, with my, my work. And so so this, almost this idea of letting go of the compulsion to be productive. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's Mm -hmm. necessarily because it's Advent or we're heading into the holiday season, except that certainly I'm experiencing this Advent, like, you know, sad to say I experienced many Advents, that my work is as busy as ever. And then add on top of that, all the kind of spiritual and social dimensions of this season, right? That it ends ends up just being a very, very busy, busy time. So at any rate, yeah, I love, you know, in this concept of letting go, Carl, that you're, you're pointing to, um, you know, letting go in the Advent season and waiting, all these things go hand in hand, right? Letting go is a part of waiting, um, because you're letting go. Um, and I love, um, you know, we're letting go and waiting and anticipation and all of this. And I always love what Merton said about, um, about hope because it's also a time of hoping, right? But we kind of, we kind of know what happens, right? But yet we're hoping and we're, and we're hopeful and we're people of, of hope. And, and Merton said, you know, a hope that rests on calculation has lost all innocence. Yeah. So kind of going along with this, this letting go of, of calculation or knowing what's going to happen. Um, and I was also reminded of uh, Lao Tzu, um, Chinese philosopher, and he said, by letting go, it all gets done. Yep. The world is won by those who let it go. But when you try and try, the world is beyond the winning. Right. Yeah. And of course, you can find all, you know, these book references in our show notes at at EncounteringSilence.com. Yeah. So that you can, you know, be sure to, if you want to find these books online, um, there's going to be links where you can go to purchase them and whatnot. So I I, I need to, like, I want to point out here, because I love this conversation, and I want to make the connection here. I love what you just did there, Cassidy, because that's exactly right. The season, especially, you know, this time of year for Christians— um, and, and, but if you think of the holidays, if we think of Hanukkah 
uh, in the Jewish tradition. Even this time of year in Zen tradition, there's the idea uh, on December 8th in certain Zen traditions is the celebration of the enlightenment of the Buddha, which also aligns with Christian, the Immaculate Conception and the idea of wisdom of of Mary, you know, Mary being immaculately conceived. And so there's this really nice interplay. But like it seems it makes sense, right? Because the religions of the world all center around and follow kind of the seasonal incarnational body thing. And what you just said, this idea of hope, right? The Christian tradition of Advent and waiting for Christmas, which is God coming and becoming flesh. That's the hope. Now, you said we know the story, Mm -hmm. but do we, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. funny. You can theoretically know Mm -hmm. that that we're going to incarnate, that God is going to show up. But what does that actually look Mm -hmm. like? If you take that seriously, where is God showing up in your life? You don't know until you actually let go and look. And so this idea of Advent. So I like this connecting this because we all jump. We hear the paradox of intention, and and Carl does it, and I do it too. We all jump to like, hey, that's very Asian or very Zen. But it's in every religious tradition. That book, yep. Paradox of Intention, right. points right. this out. In, in the Christian tradition and the Jewish tradition as well, there is a sense of God can't come until you get out of the way. Whatever you mean by God, you have to let go, right? And, so- and, and any, any ounce of the knowing, quote-unquote the knowing, is doused in mystery yes right it's doused in unknowing yes and impossibly it's an impossibility of knowing that's right that's right and it's just the beauty of it that and actually advent plays with that if you if any christians list you know who are listening or want to are involved if you're looking at the christian readings and stuff what's really fun is that what it's what darkness is actually the light and, yeah. you know, what you call light is actually darkness. And so what we're saying here is your activity, you think you're being active, but the real activity is inactivity. That Lao Tzu quote, quote that you just gave us, <laughs> that that's how things actually get done. That There's that saying in Taoism, um, nothing is done and yet nothing is left undone. You yeah. know, like, mm. it, it just happens. Mm. Let's not forget that Advent is the season where we celebrate a woman who is pregnant and awaiting the moment of giving birth. Exactly. And so, so it's a very feminine season. It's a very mm-hmm. creative and generative season. And yet yeah. it's all, it's all hidden. Uh, Carol Hauslander mm. in her wonder, in her wonderful book, the read of God says that Advent is the season of the secret yeah. the season, which ties right into what you were just saying about mystery. And that, you know, so it's within the womb, within the darkness and the hiddenness of the womb, that all the excitement is going on. It's not like Mary woke up every morning and thought, okay, well, today my, my fetus is going to develop lungs. You know, <laughs> it, 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 it all happens below the threshold of consciousness. And mm-hmm. so, so what, that's really what we're invited into. We're invited into incredible generativity. But, mm-hmm. but a deep generativity, a contemplative generativity that, again, we're not in control of. And the best way for us to partner with it is through what we're talking about, the waiting, the letting go, the silence, the contemplation. Right. Yeah. Right. So isn't it ironic that our culture has made this the season of the party? <laughs> <laughs> and the right? season of doing and activity and busyness, right, when it should because be the other can... way around. Right. We can't handle the waiting. We can't handle the silence. We can't handle, um, you know, as Pico Ayer says 
in an age of speed, I've began to think nothing could be more invigorating than going slow. Exactly. In an age of distraction, nothing can feel more luxurious than paying attention. And in an age of constant movement, nothing is more urgent than sitting still. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about urgency, right? I mean, back to right. the top of the the urgency of, but look at the paradox of intention, you know? So here right. I am, you've just convinced me I should be spending some time in silence. And then here we go. <laughs> if I, yeah. It, yeah. like you broke it, you know, that, that's the, that's the <laughs> joke, the more you attempt to do it. So the, the best you can do is, um, you know, we said a, a couple episodes ago about, um, Gerald May, the the contemplative psychologist, and he points mm-hmm. out that the most you can do is is will. You know that there's a sense of can you what do you what can you do? You can want it. Like the most you can do mm-hmm. is like want it, uh, and then you and then let go, and that's it. Because if you attempt to do it, you break it. Or since Star Wars just came out, and we want if you want to be geeky. You know, you can quote Yoda, there is no try, it's do or do not, you know, mm. don't, don't try. Um, Amen, Yoda. <laughs> well, and, and hopping, on, hopping on the Gerald May quote, what he says is really the, the antidote to willfulness is willingness. Exactly. And again, moving into that place of that radical opening up and letting mm. go. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it may seem like we're not necessarily talking about silence, but I think silence is our best friend when we seek that that posture if you will that that mm-hmm. place and of course i'm reminded of thomas keating and the idea of of consent yes that we we consent to the presence of god we consent to mm-hmm. the waiting we consent to the willingness right well i mean so, and th- and that reminds me if you're saying keating that completely reminds me of like meister eckhart and others because we can hear the story of mary saying yes to having the child and then Meister mm-hmm. Eckhart calls and says, we're all called to be Mary. Can we say yes mm-hmm. and consent and let Christ be born through us? And so, you know, that that's this, yeah. So it's interesting, the fiat there is not, I will do this, of yes. It, the, the yes is, I will allow it to happen through me. Like, I just will get out of the way and let it happen. Right, right. So so let's let's take this a little bit back to just talking with people about practical approaches. I mean, Carl, you just mentioned paradoxically, yet this is the season of parties. So let's talk about, you know, practically, you know, we earlier, we mentioned, you know, turning off the car stereo. Um, Something else I often do at parties is, you know, spend an extra minute in the bathroom alone, honestly, you know, stuff like that. So Carl, do you have anything, any tips or things that you do this time of year that can kind of recenter you or, or refocus you? Well, it may it may seem I don't know a little obvious, but for someone like me, it's something I have to keep reminding myself, and that is simply to listen to my body, mm. and listen to um you know almost a moment to moment, like you know yeah I need that extra minute in the bathroom, or it's time to go home, or it's time to say no, and um, right. you know right. and and really almost letting the entire season really almost be a practice if that's not too, too odd to say, I, you know, I'm not a grouch. I, I love parties. I love people. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun to get together. It's fun to go out. So I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to, you know, be grinchy about this and say, well, you know, to truly, to truly honor Advent, you must not go to any parties. 
I, 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 I don't think that's useful, although I think that there, that message can sometimes get bandied about, in, certainly in Christian circles. You know, and, I, and I think the intentions might be good, but the delivery is maybe not, not so skillful. I think the question is, how can we be, is it, taking a page from the Jesuits, how can we be contemplatives in action? How can we be in that Advent space, even at the parties, even at the, the, the Christmas caroling or the concerts or, you know, or the whatever else we, we end up doing. And so, so yeah, so really trying to just pay attention and listen to the body. That's the first thing. The second thing is just the normals, you know, try to get a, a good night's sleep, you know, exercise, eat well. And, um, you know, and I know Kevin talked about letting go of practice. Well, I'm going to take a stand for trying to be, be mindful of I, I, I agree with you, Cassidy. There's no point in getting overly rigid or legalistic about it. And I think, again, that's a listening to our body. If, if we're really getting angry about not doing the practice, then we've kind of fallen into the legalistic yeah, zone. Right. But if, but if we can be mindful about this is what I love and this is what matters to me. Right. And, and having that extra 20 minutes in the morning really does make a difference for the rest of the day. Then it becomes less of a legalistic, I ought to, and more of an invitational, I get to right. hold, yeah. hold the silence, even in the midst of the, mm-hmm. the swirl of the season. So, you know, so, so the season remains joyful and busy and the crowds at Rockefeller Center, that never changes. The question mm-hmm. is, can I bring the silence in my heart even into the midst of that? Mm, yeah. Is that helpful? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I know, you know, to acknowledge, you know, for many of us, the holidays are really hard because a lot of stuff comes up, a lot of reminders, right? right. There's a loss of tradition, loss of people. We d- we're dealing with grief. We're dealing with losses. We're dealing with, um, you know, potential um, relapses, serious depression, all kinds of things. Right. And there's a lot of churches, um, including my church, uh, St. Augustine by the Sea Episcopal Church, that hosts a blue Christmas service. Um, it's a healing and meditation service. And it's my favorite service of the year, and I'm missing it tonight. Uh. But... Um, it's just really, it really points to that. I mean, there's stacks of Kleenex on every pew, you know, it just really focuses on, Hey, we get, this is a hard time. And, and that's so often why it is so hard to go into the silence because the pain is there because the, you know, the reminders pop up, um, the missing people, um, the people that we've lost, you know, um, and, and those traditions that we've lost or, um, just all sorts of things. Well, I mean, and, and let's be honest, you know, like, don't romanticize it. You know, like, we're all part of the human family and we're all broken. And so I, I love my family to death, but, you know, that doesn't mean we all get along, you know. So, like, you can show up to a party and you love, you know, being with your brothers, your sisters, your parents, your uncles, your aunts, your grandparents, whatever. But you also do recall that, like, the last time you got together, you argued and screamed about something, right? And so now you're going to show right. up at this party and, like, here they are. And now you might right. be embarrassed that you yelled at them or you're... Or or, or maybe you're still angry at them. So like you said, there can yeah. be depression, there could be anger, because you're confronting people in your life who you love, and sometimes mm-hmm. relationships aren't easy. So those things, you know, so, you know, holidays can be challenging. You were asking about, like, practices, and I, I want to wholeheartedly mm-hmm. agree with Carl about, like, you know, the invitation to quiet and stuff. 
um, the me saying holding back from a practice is kind of so I don't beat myself up and make it something to do legalistically, as he said. But what I do actually in at parties, um, I'll what I'll do is I guess it's kind of listening to my body, but I will. It's it sounds strange, um, but what I do is actually I what I tell myself I'm doing is I turn out. So what so happens is I can sit at a party and you start to talk to yourself a little bit at the party about like the next thing you want to say. And, you know, Mm. and so you're not really engaged because you're constantly feeling like, well, I should go to the next person and say hello. And you're thinking, okay, did I talk to everybody? And I'm having this conversation in my head about the things I should be doing at this party. So what Mm -hmm. I'll do is every so often I'll take a breath and and I hope it doesn't freak out the person I'm with, but like all of a sudden I give, like I'm a hundred percent there. Like I just do a switch where stop talking to myself and now I'm really engaged. So if, if it's a little kid or if it's my uncle or if it's my brother or something, I'm a hundred percent involved in that conversation and I drop any concerns I have elsewhere and I'm a hundred percent present as much as I can be. And that becomes a moment of like, whatever's happening here is a quiet, you know, I'm not spinning my wheels of what I should do. I'm not achieving anything. I've dropped everything. All I need to do is just be here. And that allows me to kind of, all of a sudden you could be really loud and yet everything seems to slow down and get quiet. Um, Mm. So you can actually, I can do that with loud blaring music. I try to avoid it so it doesn't hurt my ears and, you know, have noise hearing damage, (laughs) but you can have loud blaring music and just go, okay, I'm really going to take this music in. And all of a sudden Mm -hmm. it's quiet, even though it's noise, you know, like you somehow are present and you dial it in. So that's kind of a practice. It's like turning out and actually saying to myself, this, this is the most important thing to do right now is to hear this word, whatever is being said to me, I need to pay attention. Um, and then all that doesn't last very long because our brains want to talk to us. So I'm there for Mm -hmm. 10 seconds or 15 seconds and then my mind starts racing, but that there's Mm -hmm. those moments, you know, that helps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks so much guys for all the tips that you've given. Um, because I'll certainly be utilizing and all of these and, and for talking today too, because this is really, you know, talking with you guys has become a part of my silence practice. Um, and that it's, it's a reminder to turn towards, right. Um, like a heliotrope flower, um, that turns back towards the sun. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So with that being said, you know, I hope that everyone listening will engage with us online and tell us what you're doing, um, this holiday season to remain in touch with your silence and what that looks like for you. Um, Thank you so much for listening today. And um, yeah, thanks so much, guys, for talking today. Yes. Happy holidays to everybody. Thank you for listening to the Encountering Silence podcast. If you enjoy our ongoing conversations about the beauty of silence and its meaning in our lives, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or at our website, EncounteringSilence.com. You can subscribe to our email list at our website, connect with us on social media, on Twitter at Silence Podcast, or on Facebook at Encountering Silence. And please visit Patreon.com slash Encountering Silence. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Encountering Silence to become a patron of this podcast. 
Your financial support will allow us to continue creating new episodes and spreading the message of how vital silence is to our social, spiritual, and physical well-being.